Hello, and welcome to People Keep Dying, the podcast where we talk about people who die. Someone will die in each story. Yeah, at least one person dies, Mm -hmm. because people are always dying all over the world. I'm your host, Angela. And I'm Stephanie. And all right, I'm just going to jump right into this. I'm not going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you the title of this in Korean, so you won't know what it is. Oh, great. So this is the Sampung Pekwajom and I'm pretty sure my accent is really bad, but oh well. I couldn't even pretend to tell you what words any of that was. Like, I was like, oh, maybe there'll be one word that, like, triggers some sort of, like, what? And now there isn't. Well, it happened in Korea. This yes, I, 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 I gathered that. <laughs> and I think you'll know where this is leading up to right in the beginning, but I'm going to build you the story like I did last time. I don't know, because I don't know a lot about... <sighs> no, you'll, you'll, you'll know. Okay. Yeah, you'll know. I'll know this so, story, supposedly. No, you, you won't know the story. You won't. You may not know what happened, but you'll be able to guess what's going to happen. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna going be, to guess that people die. Yeah, and you're going to be super mad about it. <gasps> I'm always super mad when people die. So during the lead up to 1988 Summer Olympics in Seoul, oh. there was a large development boom in Seoul. Like, they were just building everywhere because that's what you do before the Olympics, right? Now this okay, so in nineteen eighty eight, because this was also just like the rise of like that area the too, economy, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the Sampung Group started on the Sampung Department Store in nineteen eighty seven, over a tract of land that used to be a landfill, which is always a good start. I'm sorry, did they build a grocery store on a garbage pit? Department store or oh, garbage pit? Okay, that's better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care if it's clothing as long as my food's not. The building's <laughs> original plan was meant for a residential four-story apartment to be built by the Wusong Construction. The blueprints were then changed to create a large department store by the chairman of the building, Lee Chun. Because that makes sense. Why build houses for our people then when we can just build a department, department store, store for them to way spend more money? Economy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so makes sense. A number of support columns were cut out to install escalators and an, and an additional fifth floor. Okay, I'm totally creeped out by what's going to happen here. Wusong refused to build under those conditions as there were they were like pretty dangerous, obviously. So Lee Jun fired him and used his own building company to complete the construction. Okay, so wait, they wanted to cut out what? They wanted to cut out a couple of columns, support columns, to put oh. in escalators. You wanted to take out your com- your support columns? That's so long. And Lame. wanted to build the fifth floor even though it wasn't Lame. zoned for a fifth floor. Lum means dumb and lame at the same time. <laughs> I'm so, I'm like gonna, sleep drunk right you, now. You know where this is going to go though, right? I don't know if I know where I this is going to go. Unless someone's going to fall down a shaft or the building's going to collapse on them. I'm not like. The building was a flat slab structure without cross beams or a steel skeleton, which means there's no way to transfer the load across the floor. So it was sh- shoddy marksmanship. Yep. Marksmanship? Craftsmanship. Craftsmanship. Marksmanship is shooting shooting with the bow and arrows. (laughs) I've been reading a lot of old-timey war shit. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) The floor columns were reduced to be 60 centimeters instead of the minimum 80 to 90 centimeters required for the safety of the building. Oh, my God. The fifth floor was supposed to be a roller skating rink to comply with zoning regulations that would prevent the entire building from being used as a department store. Lee Jun changed the floor plan to include eight restaurants on the fifth floor. Why? That seems excessive. What is with people and money? Money. So the construction company tasked with completing the extension advised that the structure would not support another floor. Oh, yeah. So So what does he do? He fired them and hired another construction company to complete the task. And then built another floor. And then they built the fifth floor that had a heated heated concrete base called an ondor and that's where the heat comes from like hot water going through pipes underneath the floor the presence of the four foot thick ondor like that's a heavy floor to put on a fifth floor greatly increased the weight and thickness of the slab yeah as as it do the columns were supposed or were the columns were supporting four times the maximum weight that they were designed to bear oh my god where is this going (laughs) Oh my god, the building's gonna collapse. It's gonna collapse. 
just I hope it collapsed on the builder. Like, I hope it, the guy that's designing, I hope he's standing in the middle and the whole thing collapsed around them and no one else dies because that is uncool if anybody else other than get that guy dies. So remember that this was 1987, okay? Yeah. So just in case they weren't testing the structure of the building a little more, an air conditioning unit was installed on the roof that weighed in at 50 tons, four times the design limit. Wow, that's really, why is that so heavy? It's almost like he was purposely trying to, <sighs> to kill. kill people. Yeah. So in 1993, the AC units were dragged across the poorly structured roof, oh, which resulted course. in cracking. Oh, just a little bit of cracking from an air conditioning unit in the, the roof. U- the units were moved over column 5E, where the most visible cracks were seen before the collapse. Oh, my God. The column on the fifth floor were not aligned with the one supporting the lower floors, causing not. the load of the fifth floor to be transferred through the slab. That, yeah, because you can't do that. I mean, what? <sighs> so it gets, oh. so in April 1995, yep. cracks began to appear in the ceiling of the south wing of the fifth floor. So Lee, Lee June and his managerial staff moved all the stores and merchandise from the fifth floor to the basement because <gasps> he put a Band-Aid on it. Yeah. Civil engineer. I mean, uh, at least they moved it down and not up. There was a little bit of smart thinking happening sure. here. Civil engineering <laughs> experts were invited to inspect the structure and a cursory check revealed that the building was at risk of collapsing. Yeah, very much so. Uh, so this is where the shit goes down. Oh, no. On June 29th, 1995, a number of cracks were dramatically increased. Like just in one day? It was yeah, just like, that day, that like morning, was a, it someone, was all of a sudden, it's like you know something bad's going to happen, so you see all these cracks increasing. Someone jumped on floor five, and they were like, oh, here goes the camel. So five hours before the collapse, several loud bangs were heard from the top floor as the AC's unit's vibration was causing further cracks in the slab oh, yeah, because it's widening further because this is now people June. are in yes. this building like this, this is a fully a running department store oh my god how many people die so the ac unit was turned off but the cracks had already widened to what? 10 centimeters i thought that it was on i thought that that's I, why they turned it oh, off okay but so at that point it was already too this late 50 ton machine is like vibrating on some super unstable concrete and so it cracks and then they're like oh hey maybe 10 we should. centimeter cracks those are very large cracks yeah yeah that's that's ridiculous okay um, so they're going to get really, really mad about this. Oh my gosh. An emergency board meeting was held where a director suggested to Lee June to evacuate all the customers as the collapse of the building was inevitable. Sorry, did they have this meeting inside that building? Yes. Okay, good. As the number of customers were unusually high and they didn't want to lose the revenue, the managerial team did not issue a formal evacuation. Fuck you. I hope they got sued. But as a precautionary measure, the executives themselves left the premise. Wow. <laughs> Lee Jun didn't even inform his daughter-in-law, Chu Kyung-young, who was one of the employees of the building, of the inevitable collapse. Oh, dude. She I hope would his... later be trapped in the rubble and be rescued days later. Okay, at least she was rescued. That's good, at least. So that must have been a really awkward family dinner. Yeah, that son was pissed. Yeah. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Let's not make assumptions. Maybe the son was also an asshole. So at <laughs> around 5 p.m., the fifth floor ceiling began to sink and store workers blocked customers' access to the fifth floor. You okay. know, at this point, you would think, you know, no. Hey, maybe you shouldn't even be on floor four or three or two. Yeah. Like maybe on or one. Or basement. Uh, but maybe the basement. I think the basement might be a little safe, but no. it depends. Oh, no, it's not. So the thing is, if at this point... The building was evacuated. Okay. There will be no story for me to tell. Okay. Oh. <sighs> yeah. Okay. So well, five... I'm hoping that like it was just like one. I mean, I'm not hoping it was just like one janitor, but I'm hoping it was like one one person. Well... I'm hoping it wasn't 504 people. <laughs> You're really close. <laughs> <laughs> That's oddly specific, That's Stephanie. Very specific. So 504 was the number from my last story. <laughs> I, I've, the building started to produce cracking sounds, so the workers finally rang the bells to begin evacuation. 
But oh guess fucking what? It was too late. It was too fucking late. Around 5.52, the roof gave way and the AC units crashed into the already overloaded fifth floor. Jesus Christ. The main column that had already weakened um, to allow for the escalator collapsed and churn, and a south wing became began pancaking into the basement. How okay, I'm just gonna let you pretty know. quickly. Okay. Like pretty like from from, pretty much from beginning to end it was just like probably it was standing a and then minutes. like a minute it was just yeah. like and it was just dust. Sorry. Over. Um within twenty seconds. Oh shit, the that's south real fast. Store's wing had given way, killing five hundred and two people. I can hold a plank longer than twenty seconds. Yeah. And, and that's tra- impressive. And trapping more than fifteen hundred people inside. Wow. Fifteen hundred. Okay, so the, okay, so it's they've only trapped fifteen hundred people, but now I know that some people have gotten out, so I'm no longer as concerned. They they killed five hundred and two. Five hundred. Oh, I was five hundred and two people died. Wow, fifteen hundred so people close. were trapped. That was that was close. Yeah, so that's why I seen. I was like five hundred and two, five hundred four, pretty close. We yeah, didn't plan this, those, those but you know, those two people. I did. I gave. If you didn't listen to the previous episode, you won't understand what we're talking about. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For me, it was, like, right away. <laughs> I didn't, like... Okay, but anyway, sorry. Rescue workers were on the scene within minutes, and heavy yeah. equipment used for rescue would be brought in the next day, as it was already, like, 6 o'clock. The oh, den- it was already 6 o'clock. Guess right. we'll just wait till tomorrow, because we don't have things called fucking flashlights. Well, I mean, no. I mean, the rescue workers were there, but the heavy equipment needed wouldn't be there until the next day. Why? I don't know What did the heavy one. equipment need... That they couldn't arrive there that night. But this is going to make you even more mad. Oh, my gosh. I'm already mad about the heavy equipment. <laughs> the dead mayor of Seoul, Choi pyong announced the rescue to be called off due to the unstable remains of the collapsed building. <laughs> that is questionable because I can kind It'll get, of... I'll get, I'll get worse. Uh, okay. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not against him for this You're gonna right be, now. But he's going to be a big asshole soon. So massive protests... It, but I'm not against it. Massive protests erupted, which compelled rescue workers to continue working because there's 1,500 people stuck there. Imagine their families, all their fucking friends. They're going to be like, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. So at one point. But I mean, if it's unsafe, like I understand like not risking a life to try to like. But I mean, that's like, that, un- yes. that is part of the job. Like after watching all those TV shows, <laughs> which is totally unrealistic, but watching all those TV shows about like firefighters. Yeah. And that's where that's part of the job. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the job. But I mean. If you rescue five people, but then you die, it was well worth it. It's basically like that's what happened in 9-11, right? Yeah. So yeah. At one point... Yeah, but that, those are Americans, and the, the, these are Koreans. Koreans are supposed to care more, usually. Do, they do. Do they? Usually. Because, well, your fucking government doesn't... No. But that's, like, their government's kind of, like, a mess. Because they're a new government, too, okay, right? Yeah, that's so, true. at one point, Korea... They're allowed to make mistakes. <laughs> at one point, Korea Telecom transmitted a signal every half hour designed to trigger cell phones and pagers that survivors might be carrying. Which is Ooh. very smart. Yeah, but I mean, with all of the cement and stuff and and all the shit that's like blocking, like maybe at least they're trying. Yeah, like, do you see I commend them for trying. Rise and doing any of that shit. Like, at least they had cell phones during this time. I mean, and pagers. Wait, yeah, this is ni- in the eighties. This was no, this was nineteen ninety six. Still nineteen pagers. Okay, yeah, yeah, pagers. you have cell phones. You watch the Bible, right? Nineteen eighty five. Sorry, nineteen. There are definitely nineteen ninety five. There were some people oh. with cell phones. You watch the Bible. Bell. He had that giant one, like those giant okay, cell yeah. phones. Maybe like some people like, did. Not everyone, but some people did. Everyone had a pager though during their time, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess definitely pagers in the nineties. You yeah. probably had pagers. Yeah, twice. I think. I think it was like the end of the nineties. But I mean, that's like I'm talking about Canada. Like what it was like in Canada. I yeah, don't, it's shocking to me that they had cell phones and pagers in Korea. They're way more advanced technology yeah. wise, right? Because they're over there and they're closer to China. And, uh, yes, and Korea it makes, makes, makes all their it, it yeah, makes electronics sense. as well. I just my ignorance was <laughs> like they've got nothing. And Korea is better with their politics than we are in ways that they actually put their presidents in jail when they are found of taking lobbyist money. But guess fucking what? We don't do that shit either. Anyway, (laughs) so only two days after the collapse, some officials said that anybody that survived must already be dead. So they should focus more towards recovery over rescue. So I guess it wasn't their mayor. It was just officials saying that like, well, it's two days. We tried. 
<laughs> wow. Despite Thanks the, for trying. Right? Like, you're a human can last for like what, seven to 14 days with no water and food? Uh, you can try a little bit more than just your two days. Two days. days. I, you, we, yeah. Anyone, I feel, can survive two days. Uh, yeah. Maybe yeah. not if they're like bleeding out underneath a collapsed building on But them. some people like, can survive that. Yeah, some people can. Yeah. Uh, the dude that chopped his fucking arm yeah. off. That like, was longer that was than 70, two days. Yeah. That was 72 hours. Mm-hmm. It wasn't 127? 127 hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> drunk. I'm not, though. I'm I drinking know. water. Like, I'm sleep drunk. Despite the sweltering heat, some of those who were not rescued in the first few days were able to avoid dehydration by drinking rainwater. Well, at least it rained. Yeah. The last to be rescued was 19-year-old Park Sung-hyung, who was pulled out 17 days after the collapse with only a few scratches. It's because she was younger, too. So I imagine They left the more... youngest one in there? Well, they couldn't find her, maybe. Who knows? So, okay. Okay. yeah. I mean, 17 I'll... days. That's a good... I'm surprised <sighs> she lived. She yeah. must... That poor little girl. A man rescued after nine days said that, that the trapped survivors had drowned, or some of the trapped other like survivors had drowned from the rain and the water used to suppress the fire wow so the ones who even were so still they, in the, like the firefighters were blowing water, water in there dra- because drowning, drowning people them. who are surviving that's yeah. so the disaster resulted in 270 billion one or 216 million usd in property damage so this trial is going to make you real mad. During the trial, Lee Jun was quoted saying, the collapse was not only harmed, like not only harmed customers, but also inflicted great financial damage to my company. Fuck you. There. Wow. Talk about some priorities. Yeah. Talk about some fucked up priorities. And like, guess how much she was charged. Wait, what? Yeah, Lee oh. Jun was charged with criminal negligence, not okay. murder, and ten and a half years in prison. Ten and a half years in prison. That's and it? in April 1996. For 502 people dying? Five. I mean, yeah, better than my fucking story where nobody went to jail. Well, his sentence was reduced to seven and a half years when he appealed in April 1996. He appealed it too? Yeah. God, you, can, okay, you know that dude bought his fucking verdict. In sentencing. That means he was released in 2003. Wow. Lee Jun died on October 4th, 2003, months after his release from prison from complications from diabetes, high blood pressure, and kidney disease. Oh, what a shame. That's so sad. It's too bad that one of your fucking buildings didn't just fall on you. Wow. Because he, he knew it was going to fall. Like, that's what made me mad. Because it was like, you had a full hour before it collapsed. And you, like, you could have fully let people out. Yeah. And did it. Yeah. You had more At than most, you would have had a couple of people like, who, you in had, their stores. You had months, if not years, notice. And then not even that. You had one more hour. And you were just like, nah, yeah, money's more but important. But I'll leave. Just in case. Yeah, but. I mean, I'll get out of here. Yeah. Fuck that. And fuck the government for allowing him to get away with that. His son, Lee Hansang, the store's president, because nepotism at its finest, because it was his son, right? Received seven years for accidental homicide and corruption. What? Yep. Accidental homicide? Mm-hmm. And, whatever. Following his release in 2002, I'm so he worked angry. as an evangelist or evangelist evangelist in mongolia Uh, i mean at least he got to fucking live yeah i guess i'm yeah i guess it's okay that he got to live (laughs) (laughs) huang chon min a former chief of the area was found guilty of accepting 12 million one or 10.5 thousand dollars which is a pretty small amount in u.s dollars you know, as a bribe. And a was bribe to do what? To let this structure be built the way it was. Okay. Because obviously, like, 
you, systematic people have to agree yeah. for this. Yeah, yeah. Like they, if they did, they obviously went down and they were just like, "Hey, we got to charge all these fucking people." Yeah. And he was sentenced to ten years in jail because sure, he did. Sure, so he received ten years in jail for accepting money. Yep, uh, which is the equivalent to the other guy that did that paid the money. Yep. Oh, that sure he paid more money and to he get that got deal. he had to take he from what i understand actually did serve all 10 years whereas the guy other guy was like seven and a half years yeah because he has money yeah city all official that yen. is it yen yon one lee chun no like the the money, money. oh it's one one yeah one. like one one yeah so city official Lee Chung Woo, who was the chief administrator of the area where the store was located, was sentenced to three years of jail time for bribery because they had to bribe a ton of people. Mm-hmm. The families of the victims were initially asking for $361,000 per victim. Wow. The city of Seoul, representing the owner of Sampung, because the city for some reason represented the company and not the victims. Maybe they had to. Yeah. <sighs> For some reason. Offered $220,000 per victim, arguing that the owner could not afford more. I mean, that's a lot. Like, that's 502 people. No, yeah. that's more than that, right? Because is, is this money only going to those that died or anyone that was injured as well? Injured as well. I mean, that's a substantial amount of money then. Yeah. Like, so 220000 And you know what? I have to give it to Korea because they actually... You know, this isn't like every war, every American country. We're like, oh, let's go bankrupt. And then boo, boo. You know, didn't know that should happen. So, okay. By August of 1995, Lee Jun and Lee Hansang signed a joint memo offering their entire wealth to compensate the victims, which led to the disbandment of the Sampung Group. Okay, good. The settlement in gr- involves 3,293 cases totaling at 375.8 billion won or 300 million US dollars. Good. So, I mean, I had to give it to them that at least they were held accountable and they felt some shame. I'm like, some of these fucking families yeah, in the US uh, who are just like, oh, I don't want money. And they they paid everything. They, they lost did. everything. But And they disbanded I mean, and they, they killed a lot of they people. They did. But, you know, people in the States probably killed more people. Yeah, but has one better. has one family done that? I mean, George let's, let's Bush, ask Walmart. <laughs> but depending on who you ask, I mean, Bush did uh, 9-11. So payouts were completed by early September 2003 because it takes a long time for the payouts. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, yeah, makes sense. They have to liquidize all their money and mm-hmm. there's a lot of paperwork that has to happen. And the pay, okay, this was the deadliest modern building collapse until 9-11. Oh, so but, I mean, nine like nine eleven was a building collapse still. Yeah, I I guess technically a building collapse, but I mean, I think a plane flew into it. Yeah, I think there was one in Bangladesh in two thousand thirteen. From what I, what I read, was the next okay. most okay. most recent deadliest. But I remember this one because I was watching a Korean drama, <laughs> and in the Korean drama, I think it was called Reply. I'm, I'm I always get the um, year wrong, but I think it's Reply nineteen ninety four. Or 1992 that one is the one where she had been running to meet a guy and then she was supposed to meet him in the building and the building collapses like in this oh. mall and then i was like did that happen in real life and looked it up and i'm like oh wow because <gasps> it was yeah so that's, that's crazy <laughs> and i remember this obviously because i was way too young <laughs> and it was so shocking yeah the initial public reaction was outrage, which led to demonstrations on the streets. Yeah, I can imagine. The overall skepticism and fear regarding the safety standards on other projects undertaken during the boom in 1980s and 1990s led to a review on like South Korean safety regulations. Good. As it should. Yeah. Because they're really trying. Like, Despite the fact that like this is really awful, at least they're really trying. Yeah. And you can just feel like how much they did care. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's one bad apple. It's not yeah. like it was all the buildings and this one asshole was like building all the buildings. It was just, it was one shitty person who one was like, I want this thing to happen. Yeah. It was, he was the Donald Trump of Korea. <laughs> so levels of corruption among city officials were revealed as some of them were found to have accepted payoffs with little regard to public safety. So yeah. they did a, a clean wipe, which I hope that they fucking do eventually. He drained the swamp. Uh huh. They drained Korea. Drained the swamp. They actually 
seem to have but then like if you re- read recent politics it's, oh, it's like it's obviously not now but i yeah. mean they, they did what they could they did a i'm really impressed like as angry as i was with that one asshole getting away like you're right he did I am, die and he yeah. did there were he felt ashamed that like I feel a lot of rich people in America don't feel. You know feel. what? Never underestimate shame. Shame works shame really well. Shame is a Have great it. tactic yeah. to use. I'm so glad um, that he had the shame and he gave up his wealth too because of the shame. I don't know if it's all of his wealth, but that's a lot of money regardless of how wealthy you are. And I, and like shame and, and honor is a big thing. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate that. civilizations. Yeah. Civilizations. Societies. Soci- West, they should Western have it more societies. here. They should, uh, yeah. Should be a bigger thing here. See, the problem is, is that, like, I feel like we overshame. Yeah. Like, everything is shameful and blah, blah, blah. But because I mean, we like, had the Puritans. Yeah. But, I mean, I want, like, a personal shame of you did something bad, so you should have, you know, you should feel like you should yeah. be doing something. Like, I want that kind of shame. I mean, I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, religious shame, where you have to repent. Yeah, I guess. But it's not really the same. The location on the collapse was requested by families of the victims to be, you know, become a memorial for the victims. Mm-hmm. But money. Yeah. Money, money, money. So then money. a luxury complex, the Acrovista Apartments, began construction in 2001 and completed in 2004 in so, that location. It's an apartment. So after all that, they finally built housing. Yeah. <laughs> Hope I think, you know, correctly. So it's probably still there. Wow. A 12-foot memorial sculpture was put in the Yangjie Citizens Forest. Good. And that is a Sampung department store collapse. Wow. I I didn't would think you not knew have, about that. No, one. I didn't yeah. know anything about that. Um, didn't know anything about a build about buildings collapsing at all. And definitely didn't call that happening until you started talking about the shoddy craftsmanship. But you can you can feel it. But then you're like hoping that it's gonna be like, oh, you know, like ten people, like ten workers working in the building are gonna die, which yeah. is still awful, but not as bad as customers who trust in a company when they go into a building. Not two thousand people. Yeah, wasn't expecting two thousand people. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I like learning about. Uh, I like it when you talk to me about Korean stuff. Yeah, and for some reason, that's all I end up looking up. Well, that's fine. Oh, hey, like Korean dramas. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so my uh, story, I'm actually going to do a murder today. Oh, my God. It's not accidental cannibalism. It's not accidental cannibalism. It, is. it wasn't accidental, <laughs> but anyways, go on. It wasn't consensual cannibalism here. Uh, Lulanda Lynn Flett mm-hmm. was born in 1971 in the community of St. Teresa Point, Manitoba. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Teresa Point uh, is the largest and most populated of the three reserves at St. Teresa Point First Nations. Uh, and this is located in the northern tip of Manitoba, and it currently homes uh, ho- it currently homes less than three thousand people. So no, not a lot of people. No, and it's First Nations, and it's nineteen seventy one, and um, in two thousand three, which was the article that I received a majority of this information from, mm-hmm. um, of the five hundred twenty one homes in Saint Teresa Point, four hundred sixty three didn't have access to water. And 83%, there was an 83% food insecurity rate. Food prices were at least 50% higher than average retail price. And that was like, that was the current state in 2013. So in 1970s, it was probably substantially worse. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's also First Nations. And First Nation rights and respect and any sort of help or aid um, has been more of a recent uh, thing. So... Um, she grew up really, really poor, uh, poor in a way that I would never be able to comprehend Mm -hmm. or understand. And, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll do my best to, I, I have a lot of sympathy for Lulanda Lynn Flett. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, she was the second youngest of six children. Her mother was a community health worker and her dad worked odd jobs to like help pay to get the family by. Um, and both of her parents love to drink because, uh, it seems like that's it, what you do in small towns or it's not even so small areas. towns. It's like now, uh, this, I talk about this a little bit later on, but, uh, this community was a drag community. 
So there was no alcohol supposed to be allowed. That didn't stop anything. And people drank a lot. They make lots of toilet wine. Uh, yeah. Um, so her parents loved to drink extremely excessively. And Lulanda grew up basically believing that that's normal behavior. Like her parents used to drink so much that they'd get hospitalized. Jesus. Constantly on a regular basis. All the family members, everyone she grew up around was like constantly that's normal. being like, that's yeah. normal. It's normal behavior. Um, uh, her parents would often lock them in the bedroom while they drank and her and her siblings would watch TV or play music. Um, often, uh, nights of drinking would also get violent. Uh, and then apparently her father would also go on drinking binges in Winnipeg, uh, and be gone for months on end. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the mother would go with him. Oh. And so these like six kids, well, actually it was five, uh, because the sixth one, uh, passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, she ended up, she was the baby in the family. Uh, she would go and stay with her aunt and, um, that's where she started getting abused. Uh, when she was 10 years old, she, uh, tried to tell her mother, um, that, uh, I'm a, it didn't necessarily say who it was. I'm assuming it was an uncle or a family member. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just an older relative, um, was molesting her. Uh, she tried to tell her mother. Her mother accused her of making it up so she, she wouldn't have to go back to her aunts anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, then she tried to tell her aunt, who also didn't believe her. And so according to Lulanda, nobody believed me, so I just stopped trying to tell them. Which, like, it's so... It's, it's so upsetting. That is yeah. so upsetting to me. I... Um, that, was, that was a triggering moment yeah. for me. Believe people. Like... Just believe people when they say that, believe children when they say that someone is touching them inappropriately, believe them, even if they are just acting out or whatever, you fucking believe that child and you take care of that. Yeah. Believe that child, please believe them because bad shit fucking happens later on in life if, if they grow up thinking this way. Um, Okay. So when she was 14 or 15, uh, little Londa was sent from St. Teresa Point to a residential school in Toulon. And um, this school was run by nuns. Uh, I don't know if you know much about residential schools, mm-hmm. but they uh, they were really fucking bad. Oh. Um, so Lulanda was raised in a home where Ojikri, Ojikri uh, was the main dialect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really hard for her to adjust to English. Um, and apparently she used to get into a lot of trouble with the nuns at school because they insisted that only English be spoken. I've heard some horror stories about the residential schools and yeah, uh, I don't believe that it was just that they insisted that it'd be white. It was probably like you fucking talk English or like we'll beat you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Her sister, uh, she was also at the school with her older sister, and her older sister reported that uh, they were bullied really heavily as kids, and uh, the other students often told them to go back to the bush where they belonged. Um, so, you know, like kids are the fucking worst. It's the 70s, uh, so they're, you know, super terrible. Um, around this time... Uh, 1986 to 1987, she meets a man, uh, a young man named Brian, and she gets knocked up. Mm. After having the baby, she uh, intends to return to school, um, and she went to go live with a relative. However, that didn't work out. Um, Londa reported that the relative's uh, drinking habits became an issue mm-hmm. uh, because it caused her to drink. Yeah. Um, and with having the baby she couldn't find time to go back to school because she also was trying to find a job yeah so it was just like she just had a baby she couldn't like she couldn't find the time to go back to school Mm -hmm. she was busy don't blame her for that uh when she was 18 she met her husband um which will forever from here on in be only known as b um she would go to have five she would go on to have five children with him he was a nice guy uh she said uh, but nice guy B didn't stay nice for very long. Um, she reported that he insisted that he drink with her um, and often forced her to do so. Uh, he would force her to drink super juice. And super juice was something that uh, was introduced. I shouldn't say it was introduced. It was created in uh, these 
uh, First Nation mm-hmm. uh, communities because it was a because there were it was a drag community, so they mm-hmm. were making their own like toilet booze. Um, and they it was created by using uh, packets of high potency yeast, which can produce more potent alcohol than regular yeast. Um, you just mix it with water and sugar and some pails. They would leave it to ferment for a couple of days. Um, then they would pour it into two little bottles and sold them for eighty to a hundred dollars each. Jesus! Um, and it was it was bad. Like they like there were reports that this destroyed the entire like generation of kids. Yeah, like the fucking booze that they were on. Um, but like and like holy crap, they were making good money. Yeah, that's all like that's for a super say. super poor area, but it just goes to show like people like that's all people did was drink. Yeah, it's and like they the were only doing thing that makes them happy at this point, right? Yeah, because what else is there? Yeah, they're in northern Manitoba. There's nothing really even in Manitoba to begin with, and they're in the most northern part of it. Yeah. Uh, so it, when he wasn't forcing her to drink, uh, he was forcing her to smoke weed and do crack cocaine. Um, and Lulanda said that he started getting really abusive, not just emotionally, but he used to physically and sexually abuse her as well. Um, he used, he struggled to get a job. Uh, he cheated on her, uh, and he was just trashed. Like he was a trash dude that was just doing drugs and Mm -hmm. drinking all the fucking time and had, you know, that angry testosterone was just running through his body and was treating her like crap. So he also would, uh, sometimes lock her out of the house take her shoes, remove the phone so that she couldn't contact anyone or, quote, run away. But I'm just thinking, like, you'd fucking run away without your shoes. Like, what do you need your shoes for? Where are you going to run away to? Yeah. Uh, He would hit her with objects. Uh, He would sometimes burn her with a cigarette. Uh, Apparently, people would often refer to her as uh, raccoon eyes because she was always seen walking around with a black eye. Black eye, eye, yeah. Um, Never really seemed to get better. Uh, she even had him charged one time. He ass- when one time that he assaulted her, he dragged her across the ground. Uh, she charged him. He received six months in jail, uh, but was fully compliant and well behaved, and got released. Uh, when he gets out of the jail, he's he goes, an asshole again. He goes back to her. No he's shit. Like, oh baby, I love you. I'm uh-huh. so sorry. I'll never do it again. And she's uh, so used to it that she yeah. just takes him back. Yeah. Because, I mean, she wa- she grew up with her dad beating yeah, on her mom. and she's used to it. And it's normal. Like, yeah, this is normal behavior for her. Uh, so she takes him back. Uh, her kids uh, beg her to leave him and, like, and to not let him back in the house because this was a, a, an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually they separate and he fucks off somewhere. Yeah. We don't care about him. Uh, he comes back a little bit later, but we don't I really care about him. I thought he'd be dead, him. but okay. No. During this time, uh, amidst all this crazy bullshit, Lulanda, however, is able to, like, hold down a job. And she even goes back to school. Oh. And she gets a certificate in home care support work. Oh, um, I'm going to be so sad at the end of the story. Like, like, it's just one of those things where, despite all of this crap and, like, the most, like, fr- I empathize so much because, it's like, she was just given so much bullshit. And she's still trying so hard. Yeah, she's trying to... so hard. However, she's still drinking yeah. heavily. But I mean, that's part of the culture there, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, drinking is bad. Kids, take this story as a warning. Um, so in 2009, uh, Lulanda is kind of on a little bit of an upswing. Um, having never claimed any federal benefits for her children, uh-huh. uh, because she's First Nations, so yeah. they don't ever have to pay taxes, uh, she goes and gets her taxes done properly, and the government hands her a check for $14,000. Holy. In the 70s. I should have done like a, like a, what's that worth now? But it's probably, probably around like 30. Yeah. I would say yeah. a good amount. To someone who's fucking poor. Poor. Yeah. So. Even 14 for someone now would be yeah. so much money. Yeah. So uh, she packs up their shit and they move to Winnipeg. Good. Um, <laughs> Obviously, wrote, this isn't going to earn well, so I have to be positive while it's happening. You know, <laughs> I wrote like "fuck this poor rundown island." Let's go down. Let's go somewhere Winnipeg. where there's some real opportunity, but more money, mo problems. <laughs> so <laughs> she moves to Winnipeg and she meets a man, and we're gonna call him C. And C was also a great guy. Londa said that he was the best relationship she ever had. He never hit her, never abused her. He was always there. They spent all their time together. And she they was broke up anyways. Uh, but C had some of his own troubles because oh. he was also an alcoholic. Oh. And he was also a panhandler. And he always borrowed money to get by. And so he 
Probably. In my opinion, he probably was like, look at this bitch with all her fucking money. Yeah, let me use her. Yeah, I'm going to go use her for all her money. So he starts siphoning money from Lulanda. Yep. And their relationship starts getting sour because it wasn't like she was constantly getting $14,000. No. It was a one-time thing. Yeah. And so the money starts to uh, dry up. And he leaves Uh, her. And he starts getting really controlling over her and the money because it's like, you need to spend all the money on me. Stop spending this money on your kids. kids. You need to buy money. You have to pay. You have to buy my booze. You have to buy this for me. You have to do this for me. Be me, 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 me. Booze, 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 booze. Fuck this C dude. So. She doesn't kill him? I guess not. No, she doesn't. Because the name wasn't released. So I'm assuming. Uh... Finally, Lalanda starts realizing that her alcohol is a problem and is maybe affecting her life. Yeah. Uh, so she attempts to quit a couple times, but nothing really works. And she no. falls back into old routines because, like, her life is fucking stressful. Like, And it's an addiction. You know yeah. how hard it is to kick an addiction? Yeah. It's so... I don't, I don't have one, and but I mean, it's an yeah. Addi- and it's an addiction that's, like, she has watched people suffer from alcoholism yeah. and hasn't and probably never saw anybody go and get help. No. So she doesn't know how what to recover to do. what it even looks like to recover yeah. from alcoholism. So during one of her drinking bitches, uh someone calls child services and her children get taken away. Mm-hmm. And Lalanda uh states that she feels like it was her first husband B who was the one that made the call, but no one no one ever really the claim doesn't ever really get substantiated. Okay. Uh there was not a lot of information uh given when it comes to the like to the point where I barely even found out what she was actually charged with. Oh wow! Well, sorry, I knew what she was charged with. I didn't know what her actual final conviction oh. was. Like there was nothing. There were a couple articles um, about like about it mm-hmm. when it happened. Um, but yeah, not there. Not a lot. Of, but I imagine it's because it's Canada, and um, it's just. We do weird things Mm -hmm. with our media. And it was probably because it's First Nations. Okay, so uh, after the kids are taken away, uh, Lulanda starts drinking more because why the fuck not? Exactly. She's super lonely. She's super depressed. She's angry at herself for losing her kids. She doesn't know how to, like, change her life because it's just, like, she doesn't, like, I understand. She doesn't know how to climb out of the hole that she's put her, that she's literally drank herself into Mm -hmm. because she's only ever seen people drink themselves into holes. Mm -hmm. Um, So she starts drinking uh, she stops taking care of herself and she starts drinking uh, a 26 ounce bottle of liquor every single day. Jeez. Uh, she, and then she basically put herself into this pattern where she would drink herself sick, get put into a hospital, get released from the hospital with a Valium prescription, and then start taking pills and drinking and back up in the hospital, get another prescription, get sent home, drinks more, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, so, on June 15th, 2011, Lalanda gets into an argument with C about his family. Apparently, Lalanda had attacked her sister-in-law, so there were some differentiating things. So, either Lalanda attacked the sister-in-law a couple years prior, or Lalanda and C got into a domestic, and that was what happened a couple years prior. But mm-hmm. either way, um, a week prior to this, um, Lalanda, sorry, Lynette had placed a restraining order against Lulanda. Mm-hmm. Um, Lulanda apparently was also angry at the mother um, because apparently the mother had called the police complaining about Lulanda being loud on, on the property and she was like, yeah. you're a disturber, blah, blah, blah. Um, so a couple hours later, all drunk, uh, Lulanda heads over to the rooming house where the mother's boyfriend, the, the boyfriend's mother and sister lived and sets fire to a couch on the front porch. Jesus. Shortly after 2 a.m., firefighters were called to 288 Austin Street North after neighbors and passing drivers noticed a huge fire. Six adults were taken to the hospital, where four were pronounced dead soon after, and another two died a couple days later. So all of them died? uh, There were eight people in the building. Oh, okay. And uh, five died. Oh, okay. And... uh, the other ones, they were just uh, one person was maybe it was only six in the building then because one person was injured. Okay. I think I'd read. Yeah. So Norman Darius Anderson was 22 years old. Uh, Maureen Claire Harper was 54. Kenneth Bradley Mark Monkman was 49. Dean's James Strandon was 44 years old. And Robert Curtis Lafort was 56 years old. Um, Fire officials have said that the blaze likely started at near the front entrance, possibly at the veranda, um, and it blocked the 
only obvious escape route. Mm-hmm. Um, the front of the structure was engulfed when the firefighters arrived and witnesses said that the blaze was so intense that they could feel the heat from their car. Jeez. On the road. Uh, later that night, Lulanda was arrested in a bar, and when they asked her what her motive was, she said that she was only trying to scare them, yeah. and she didn't intend for the fire to harm or kill anyone. It does sound like she... She was drunk. Like, yeah. It was really one of those things where she probably got into a fight with her boyfriend. She was probably like, I'll drink or whatever, and it probably was where she just, at the time, she just... You, you don't think that la- lighting a catch on fire is going to kill five people. Yeah, she probably so. thought like, oh, I'll just scare them a little. Yeah, I know they'll, they'll just out. get out and yeah, I'll be like, I out. at worst, I lots of property damage. But this was like a rooming house. So it was like an old rundown, like people, like a lot of people in the neighborhood were like, oh, it's, it's a drug house. Like that's the drug house. Yeah. Um. So she was arrested uh, she, when she was arrested, she faced five counts of second degree murder and three counts of attempted murder. However, she took a plea deal and only received five counts of manslaughter and one count of arson. Mm-hmm. She received five life sentences, one for each death. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all to be served concurrently and she will be eligible for parole in five years. And that is the story of Lou, the sad story in my mind. It's I mean, it's sad tragic. because... Five people died, died because of a very unfortunate because she, yeah, woman. Because she got drunk and couldn't, like, because this girl had, she like... She couldn't. Yeah. She had a r- really hard life. And that's sort of what... Um, that's why her crime, her crimes were actually reduced. Mm-hmm. Um, they had sort of taken into consideration where they were like, we know that you didn't intend to do this, mm-hmm. but you still did it. We take into consideration that you had, like, this really rough life and, you know because you went to these residential schools because that's sort of what was happening as well is that people who um, had gone to these residential schools all turned out kind of weird um, yeah because we affected them we yeah. like damaged them so it was like we like we'll you know take that in consideration which is probably why they, she also had the plea deal yeah instead of getting charged with like the murder murder yeah so it was one of those things where it was like that was the story of a young girl that like in my mind never stood a chance. No, she fucking didn't. She, she didn't stand a chance. She didn't at stand all. a chance, and she made one bad decision. Um, she don't play with fire when you're drunk. No, and, uh, she like felt really bad for killing uh, those five people. Um, uh, one of the parents actually. Two, I think it was two of the parents uh, forgave her and said that they didn't want her to go to jail. They understand yeah. that, like, she didn't mean to. Yeah. Even like, though one of what the mom, happened. Yeah. yeah. One of the moms was like, after hearing your story, like, I, I like, forgive you. I hope you find peace and, and blah, 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 yeah. blah. And it was just, I don't know. It That's was just really sad. I, don't like, play with fire at all. Just no. Never. Don't play with fire when you I definitely die. almost burned down my house by mistake. So don't play with fire. <laughs> Did you know that you shouldn't just put like shove paper into a candle while it's on I fire? I used to burn Q-tips. Yeah. Like I used to, because I like, I, I am a pyro. I think. But I acknowledge I'm a pyro, which is why I have to stay away from fire because yeah. I enjoy it too much. Um. But I used to burn Q-tips, and I used to like how the flame would be yeah. sit over top of the Q-tip, yeah. not touching it. And I'd be like, what kind of magic sorcery is this? Because I was always so fascinated by it. I used to spray alcohol fire. into um, candles because I used to like like the little sparks, and that's mm-hmm. how I almost burned the house down. Oh, I don't know if I – I mean, I – I, I don't think paper. Any, I think like maybe once I was playing with something and it like caught on a piece of paper and then I was like ah but that was about it like no, there like, hasn't ever been I anything. had like a piece of paper that was soaked in perfume that I put in the candle because I was like really young and then I'd seen the the like the flame engulf like oh almost the wall so then I closed the door and ran out but then fortunately it got out so I was very fortunate then my dad never found out about it so that's what was important i didn't start a fire and no one found out which is always a good thing yeah it's, it's always, just a funny it's always story. nice when you don't get caught yeah <laughs> and then you didn't hurt anyone so you don't get in trouble yeah, for as long, it. yeah as long as you didn't hurt yeah. i mean if you I hurt didn't. other people and you don't get caught fuck you yeah but i hope your you... dna catches you later old men from the 70s. That's why you're going to submit all your DNA. You're like, just take all my DNA, catch oh, yeah. whoever you want. Oh, yeah. All of it. I mean, I know I've never done anything bad. They have my blood in the system 
from being a victim. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if like if you're a victim in a crime, if that gets put into a database or not. And I, I was know. like, I think everybody should be. It's just like the problem. Like the problem always comes down to like if the government uses your DNA to predetermine certain things and then decide that they don't want to give you health care depending on yes, like and that's like that's fine and however that's, yeah that's like um, the big argument i think for what they're afraid of what the dna can be used for in the future for right now catching criminals 100 percent. but oh yeah i can uh, also see abuse of power happening sorry you don't get to have dna privacy once you splooge all over a woman no. after you kill her like you you lost your right to your dna privacy when you rape somebody. Yes. Like, you don't get any. Sorry. You just don't get you, any. You, when you stop being a civil human being, you stop earning the rights of a civil human being. Yeah. That's how I look at it. That's why prisoners get their DNA taken. So, Well. Dude, I wonder if they all go into the same database. Yeah. Because isn't right? it all going to CODA? Because yeah. it used to not. And then, yeah. That's and what then I they mean. Started, then they put it on. Yeah. One. But I still imagine like a couple of them the are one still in separated. Canada is separate from like the, the one in the U.S. Oh, but yeah. I'm sure. For they, sure. They, they probably still talk. No. I mean, they, they don't. They I learned some like so many things like it, the U.S. and Canada don't really talk about a lot of things. So if you're like federal yep. level or state level, like some people can just cross the border. No problem. Because the police officers didn't talk to, didn't have like a whatever. So yeah. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, that is another quickie episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah. We uh, really, we'll, tr- we'll try to do a couple more quickie episodes. In the future. Yeah. Let us know if you guys like, like the quick episodes or if you guys like the longer ones. Cause I know last, well, I mean, we just recorded it because we recorded back to back. Yeah, the, the one last one was, was long. So, which one? Long. Whatever one you like, we'll take that into consideration for future. And if you have any stories that you yeah. think that we should cover, our email is peoplekeepdying at gmail.com. Uh, we hope that you don't die between now and next week and you're able to check out our next episode. Yeah. And contact us if you have any story ideas. You'll get me really excited if I get an email. Yeah. Angela would love to read your stories. But don't send me anything weird because you're going to Send her it. all the weird. <laughs> all of the so weird. weird things. Angela really likes murders, particularly murders that involve animals. And, sorry. That sounds so bad. Caused by animals. <laughs> Caused by animals. Or... You know, if there's more stories of consensual cannibalism. Yeah, consensual cannibalism. Awesome. If you have your own consensual cannibalism Anything story. where it's like you, you're you not scared of the person across the street from you, those are kind of murders I like. I am, uh, like, I am so certain that my neighbors are in a cult. Like, I live in a neighborhood where it's all the houses are owned by one family. And the family just keeps buying up more houses in the neighborhood. And I'm just like... This is culty. That's culty to me. I'm so creeped out by neighbors. <laughs> okay. So if you're not here next week, we know what happened. Yeah. If I'm not here next week, uh, the neighbors did it. Yeah. All the right. boyfriend didn't do it. The cat may have done it. Cat, uh, for the sure. Neighbors, we'll your body after the neighbors definitely did it. <laughs> but yeah, we will see you next week or here. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> we'll talk to you when we talk to you. We'll talk to you. Bye. Bye.